Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Justin Ruderman. And I'm Garrett Post. And today we will be covering these latest UCL quarterfinal games, as well as uh, the EPL title race heating up and some MLS action as well. So Garrett, let's start off in the Champions League in Europe. Uh, the first two games of these quarterfinals were Liverpool against Benfica and Man City against Atletico Madrid, both on Tuesday. Of course, at the same time, uh, Liverpool took care of business 3-1 against Benfica, as we both predicted. We Liverpool, uh, big favorites in this one, obviously. Benfica, even getting to this stage is impressive for them, isn't it? So they got to go through Dario Nunez, but it was Kanate, Mane, and Diaz for Liverpool to uh, build them up a, a very good lead heading back home uh, for the second leg. Yeah, the ties, you know, as, as good as done, it, it's dusted. Uh, you know, th- you can't be shipping three goals at home uh, in the home leg if you want to have a chance. And now, you know, at Anfield, I, I could see this, you know, the aggregate score ending up very lopsided uh, to Liverpool. And then it was Manchester City uh, at home at the Etihad playing Atletico Madrid. And Atletico Madrid played a 5-5-0 formation, as Kevin De Bruyne said. Uh, It was, I mean, zero shots at all for Atletico Madrid the entire match. 15 shots for Manchester City, but could only get two of those on target because Atletico Madrid just sat back uh, and defended. And that's what they did. There was uh, Kevin De Bruyne did find a way through. Uh, in the 70th minute for that 1-0 victory. But uh, it's still in the balance heading back to Spain. So we will see because Manchester City couldn't find a way through that 5-5-0 uh, well enough to, to put you know more than one at home. So will they be able to do it away? We'll see. Yeah, I mean, we were kind of discussing this when it happened and you were saying, you know, you'll take the 1-0, it's a good result. I think, yep. you know, when you have that kind of domination, I understand they were sitting so deep, but the fact that you were only able to break through once, I think is just not ideal because at the Wanda, I don't think Madrid will sit as deep and they will be more dangerous. You know, this was their game plan. This is what Simeone's sides do. They did this exact same thing to Liverpool a couple of years ago, except it was, you know, they even ended up winning the, the away leg to go through. So the fact that the second leg is at home, you know, one nil, it's better than nothing. Um, but when, when you hold a team to zero shots, zero on target, uh, you, you'd kind of want a little bit more of a cushion when, when you're going to a stadium like that, like Adleti have in that atmosphere. So as you said, definitely still in the balance, still a lot of work for City to do. Yeah, City, uh, Atleti will have to attack at some point, and, that, and that's the thing about go, taking the 1-0 lead, right? It's, it's a good result because you have to win your home uh, leg in the Champions League. That's, that's the job that always needs to get done, and, and it got done. Um, but it could have been a better result for sure, and that's, that's where it remains in the balance because – Atleti can sit back for a while and then eventually they'll have to, you know, go find a goal because they need one, but they can still sit back for a while. Yeah. I mean, I, and I don't really expect them to sit as deep as they did in this game. I think that was definitely the strategy, you know, in the away leg. Um, I, I do expect them still to defend and I think city will definitely still have more of the ball, but, um, I, I think Atleti will be more dangerous than they were in this game. Obviously, I mean, they have to be, but 
you know, and it's almost impossible for them not to considering zero shots, zero on target. But, you know, I don't think they're going to come in with the same strategy. I, I think they're going to, you know, be a little bit more risque, if you will, and try to catch City on that break. So we'll see what happens. Should be a very interesting second leg. Absolutely. And then moving on to Wednesday, it was the shock result uh, of these first legs. It was Villarreal getting the win at home over Bayern Munich. Uh, Dan Juma in the eighth minute getting the goal and Villarreal able to hold on. But it's not like they were sitting back so much uh, as at Letty were. You know, they the stats obviously look good for Bayern. There was uh, 22 shots but only four of those on target. I mean, you got to get way more uh, of those on target. They had over 60% possession. However, Villarreal were in this game. I mean, if you watched it, you know, and, and the XG shows it as well because they uh, won the XG battle almost 1.6, 1.2. So Villarreal were in this game and played well at home, uh, kept up with Bayern Munich in this one, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, it's really poor from Bayern in the final third. You have to say, you know, 22 shots, four on target. And, you know, you say with City, oh, well, they were unable to, you know, get more than two on target because of the low block. You're right. It's not like Villarreal were, were you know, pulling in Atletico Madrid here. They weren't just playing a 5-5-0, putting 10, you know, all 11 men behind the ball. You know, they were still involved in the game and, and Bayern just weren't, they didn't have, the, they didn't show the quality to, to break through it and make something happen in the final third. But, you know, I still think that they'll get it done at the Allianz Arena back home. I, I think it is definitely a very good result for, for Villarreal, but I don't think we'll end up being enough. Yeah, uh, I have to agree with you there. You know, we both predicted Bayern to go through prior to the, the start of the tie, and it's still looking that way because Bayern at home. I mean, we saw Salzburg, you know, were able to find a draw um, in the round of 16, and then, you know, the second leg, what happened? They got absolutely battered by Bayern. And we're probably going to see something similar because Bayern, you know, have to wake up for the second leg. Um, and normally Villarreal beating Bayern would be the story of the day, right? But boy, was it overshadowed by Kareem Benzema again, carrying Real Madrid with a hat trick over Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Garrett, your reactions to this? I mean, <sighs> He's the best striker in the world. That's my reaction. He just is back-to-back hat tricks on the biggest stage in the champions league, you know, wants to come back basically from the death against the PSG super team with Mbappe, Neymar, Messi on the pitch. Uh, and now this at Stanford bridge against the holders of the champions league, the team who knocked them out last year, if you remember, and just delivers this quality of performance, that first header is absolutely unreal. I don't, no, really how is. he even gets that on target, let alone with the power and accuracy. The that power that, that he got was in. Yeah, I don't know how no, he generated that power. I, I was, I was, I'm with you on this. I was in awe. I mean, watching him, you know, I'm a, I'm a Harry Kane fan. Uh, of course, I, I think he's, he's my favorite striker in the world. However, there's no denying that Benzema is in the best form of anybody in the world right now. This guy is incredible. Uh, the he, he was, you know, maybe gifted another one with with a Chelsea mistake, but. Um, with you know the Mendy mistake, but he he created the other two, and he's just burying these chances and making it look easy. Yeah, and because he he scored that header, I'm like, wow, that's amazing! What a what a goal that is! And then three minutes later, he has another beautifully controlled cushioned header into the corner. You know, sent it back the way that it came. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just the you know the epitome of composure in the box there. I, it, yeah, he is just phenomenal. And the fact that he's doing it at this age and is playing better than he has or that than he ever has, excuse me, 
you know, it, it really, th- I, it, it just goes to show that he has been underappreciated for most of his career. Cause he was, you know, a, a little bit overshadowed by the, by the greatness of other players on his team. Right. Obviously we know Modric, yep. Cruz, Casemiro, one of the best midfield threes, you know, and then there's this guy named Cristiano that you may have heard of. <laughs> um, but no, Benzema is an, is an unbelievable player. He's a legend of Real Madrid. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad he's back playing for France because it will make the World Cup very interesting. And, and, you know, he was one of the bright spots for France in a pretty poor Euros over the summer. But yeah, I mean, it's a long way back for Chelsea. They did get a single goal through yep. Kai Havertz. But, you know, going on the road to, to the Bernabeu, you have to fancy Carlo Ancelotti's Real Madrid to, to hold on to this tie. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, Havertz getting that goal back. I mean, after the 24th minute when Benzema just scored two immediately, it looks like it could get, you know, really out of hand for Chelsea and, and them have no chance at a way back. Uh, but that Havertz goal right before halftime was very crucial uh, to to keep them in the tie. Obviously, Benzema in the 46th then, you know, made it so that Real Madrid could just cruise to the 3-1 win. Um but yeah, I mean, this is why I had Real Madrid winning this. I said it; it's coin toss, but only one of these teams has the most underrated striker or uh, of all time, probably in my opinion. Uh, and if you don't believe he's underrated by a lot of people, go listen to Micah Richards' take on this one. Um, but yeah, it, it, very impressive from Kareem Benzema and Real Madrid in the driver's seat. Yeah, and and I think you know this performance on the road is kind of exactly what I would expect from Ancelotti after, you know, obviously having watched him manage Everton for a season and a half. Um, and, and it is kind of the same thing where they, they sat relatively deep, you know, 42% possession, not crazy. Obviously they took the lead relatively early, but you know, they just defended solidly only gave up the one goal, which isn't bad by any means. And then just relied on the clinicality of their star players, which is, you know, kind of what Ancelotti did with Calvert-Lewin, not to compare him to Benzema, of course, but you know, it's a similar kind of strategy. It's always going to tie in Everton somehow. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying Ancelotti, I wouldn't say he necessarily favors being on the front foot. I, I, I really don't. I think he is, you know, he, he's one who, who doesn't mind kind of conceding a bit of possession and, and then just relying on the talent in his squad. And that's gotten him to three champions leagues, uh, you know, obviously with, clubs that have real quality you know that AC Milan side absolutely stacked same with obviously Madrid in 2014 so I'm just saying it's kind of a typical Ancelotti setup um, and it worked to perfection because they have this dude named Benzema and he's ridiculous and before we move on to the Premier League are you sticking with your Chelsea prediction here god no there we go No, the back line can't like like the back line was just so poor you know Benzema is the last person on the planet at the moment that you should be giving those opportunities to that space to, And obviously, you know, he made a lot out of opportunities that weren't that great, but that third goal was just, you know, it was a gift. And, you know, that kind of, I think that ended the tie really. Uh, um, I mean, not ended it obviously, but, but if it was two one after, I'd still think, okay, Chelsea have a chance of doing this, right. They won mm-hmm. the away leg in Madrid last year. And um, when, right. when Pulisic scored, so, you know, you never know, but three, one, I think it's just going to be too much for Chelsea to, to overcome. Yeah, understandable. And then we can move to the Premier League where we had two of these uh, quarterfinalists in a title race. It, it was billed as a title decider, Garrett. Uh, at the Etihad, Liverpool visiting Manchester City. It was 
an incredible game of football, uh, wasn't it? All, all from from the jump, it was City started dominating a little bit at the beginning. Liverpool uh, were able to respond with their a goal of their own. City putting up at halftime, and then second half was just wild as well. Uh, people talking about this as maybe one of the best games in Premier League history. What are your opinions on that? And then uh, the two-two is it, it was it a fair result? Did City or Liverpool deserve the win? I mean, it was a pulsating game. You couldn't take your eyes off it for sure. I think, you know, the, the second half, there was some drama, but, you know, the goals kind of dried up after Mane scored, what, like 30 seconds after the second half began. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it, no, it was it was great to watch. And, you know, obviously I would not consider myself a neutral in this game, but, you know, as, as someone, I'm sure it, it was even crazier for people who are invested like you or, or Liverpool fans or other City fans. Um, but oh, yeah. I, I think the way that I'm viewing this is I've, I've seen Liverpool fans kind of on a, a spectrum of emotions. Some of them are happy with the point, which is my take on it. Some of them think, mm. Oh, we could have won, but I think a point is, is a good result for Liverpool. I think it's a much better result for Liverpool than city, to be honest, even though it keeps city wow. one point clear. The fact of the matter is that I think city had all the opportunities to put the, the title race to bed and they didn't take it. That's my, that's my thoughts mm. on this. Obviously, um, a few things that didn't go in their favor, which which were part of this, you know, Sterling being offside by right six inches. Uh, Liverpool should have had two men sent off. You know, Fabinho's tackle on Bernardo Silva is straight red every day of the week. And Thiago had about, you know, Thiago should have three yellow, yellow cards. cards. Yeah, three or four yellow cards. At he least was, three. Yeah. That was, no, so I don't know how he wasn't off the pitch. Unbelievable. Yeah, but at the same time, City had big opportunities that, that they fluffed. Like, I can't really think of many Liverpool opportunities that were very good that that didn't go in like there there are two chances yeah maybe that uh, they, shot to they one really in the second converted. half but that's about it yeah that's about it um, where with city you have sterling missing an absolute sitter at the beginning uh, obviously mm-hmm. de bruyne scored about a minute later so it didn't you know people kind of forgot about it at that point but you know we saw mares at the end uh, uh dink dink was the right dink was the right idea he just way overcooked it i don't think he was trying to dink it i think he was trying to bend it and just got under it um, but really, because the, I was just going to say, like the both Van Dyke and Matip were real uptight to him, and Allison was yeah. way off his line, so he didn't have much of an angle to to really shoot it. I thought the dink was a brilliant idea. I just don't know how he he put it so far over. Yeah. Either way, I mean that that chance, and then uh, as you said, the Sterling chance. So trust me, City fans are not forgetting that one. Uh, and then as well, Jesus had, had the chance where he cut in. Um, from the wing and he had KDB oh, he right had there in the ass- center. He, yeah, no. And he did it again in the second half. He should have had he two assists twice, for KDB. Yeah. If he would just pass the ball, the other one, he, he just stuck in the side, like the outside netting was an awful shot when KDB was wide open on the penalty spot and you'd put your house on him scoring it. Yeah. And Jesus got the highest rating on most uh, scoring websites, but it's hard for me to give him that when he missed those chances that he could have gotten assists. He had another chance. He obviously he buried one uh, very good finish, but other than that, I mean, just him being involved doesn't, doesn't warrant that when he could have created more in my opinion. Um, no, but it has I, to be De Bruyne. I, yeah. I mean, De Bruyne was absolutely incredible. Wasn't he uh, in that free role? I tweeted that he was given, I mean, he's given the trust that that Pep really gave Messi at Barcelona, essentially, in my opinion, because KDB was allowed to go anywhere he wanted. Yeah. That's a decent comparison, actually. Wherever KDB believed he needed to be, that's where he was allowed to go. There was no uh, restrictions on him. And, and that freedom allowed him to be 
you know, the, the playmaker and Liverpool fans were frightened, rightfully so. I mean, that was an incredible performance uh, from KDB. It shows why he's the best midfielder in the world, in my opinion. Uh, and people will have said in the past, you know, oh, City don't play as well with him or he's not a big game player. I think this season he's proved both of those things just ridiculously wrong. Um, so there and then as far as who's who's it the best result for i i see the point of what you're saying that city i agree sh- had a better chance at winning the game and in that respect uh, it's a worse result for them but as far as the title race i think uh it's definitely a better result for manchester city because no, number one obviously as you said they're still at the top of the table one point clear of liverpool with the same amount of games to be played but the schedule that manchester city has is slightly easier than what liverpool have left yeah, I mean, I get that. Like, it's still advantage city, uh, but you know, this was their opportunity to kill it off, and it's not like they've been invincible as of late. They they have been dropping points recently. Liverpool, Fair. not the case, right? They, I like, I would really say that Liverpool, even though you know their fixtures are worse um, slightly. I mean, what they have United next, they're garbage. They just lost at Everton, so that's how you know they're bad. Um, I, 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 you know, just with the form coming into this game, I would, I would be more likely to expect Liverpool to win out than city, to be honest. Um, but it is, this, it's crazy how this is, you know, really mirroring, uh, what was it? 2018, 19, when a similar thing happened, although city, you know, won this game and that really put them in the driver's seat. And then, you know, they won out and, and that's what they needed to do. And so, you know, we could still see city do that again. And I still think that they are more likely to win the title, but the opportunity was a hundred percent there for them to kill this off right here and now. So I think Liverpool should be, you know, they should be pleased that they didn't lose this game because I think they deserve to, but they didn't and they kept themselves alive. And now any city slip up and, and they will be in the driver's seat. If city even draw a match, Liverpool will be in the driver's seat. So that's just kind of the way that I'm looking at it. So who do you, who, who's your pick? Who's your favorite right now to win the, to, to win the t- title? I'm still going to go with city. Um, yeah, I, I think the fixtures does help. And, and that's also a bit of manifestation, which we've been doing a little bit uh, during this, you know, in this podcast. Um, I, I'd, li- I'd like it to be City. If KDB plays like that, no one's going to touch them. Um, so he really needs to keep that up because he was just, man, he was turning Tiago and Fabinho inside out. He was so progressive. Um, yeah, incredible performance. So if, if he can stay fit and, and play at that level for these last eight games, you know, I, I think... City will will probably end up winning it. I honestly think both teams might win out, and it's the same thing as 2018-19, and City win by a point. I, I think it could go the exact same way. Yeah, Pep Guardiola has said uh, we need to win out in order to win the league, so he, he certainly believes that as well. Uh, and then moving from the title race to the top four race, uh, we had a, a bunch of results uh, that, that had a big effect on it, and it was really Tottenham taking a little bit of a hold on this with their win against Aston Villa for nil, a big win for them. Um, but Arsenal losing and West Ham losing, both uh, surprising. Arsenal losing to Brighton 2 1, and then uh, West Ham losing 2 0 to Brentford. So, so, some poor results there for teams trying to get that fourth spot. Yeah, I mean, I think that 4 0 scoreline to Tottenham really flatters them. Like Villa had. I'd say the better share of chances, at least in the first half. And they went down one nil and then it was just on the break, just Son and Kane, as we've talked about just being absolutely clinical, but yeah, you know, 
Spurs, that ruthlessness has now put them in a great position because Justin, you, you talk about Arsenal losing to Brighton. Well, they also lost to Palace, if you remember last week. Right. So that's two losses in a row, and that's what's flipped this on its head. Um, United are pretty much completely out of the picture now, um, as are West Ham. And, and so it does seem like Antonio Conte is going to have done enough to really put uh, Spur- to get Spurs back in the Champions League, which you know I don't think many people would have predicted at the beginning of the year or, or even when Conte came in just because of the position they were in. Um, but it's really disappointing if you're if you're Arsenal, if you're Arteta, they had destiny in their own hands and they bottled it against Palace and Brighton. Those are games you can't be losing. Right. They they still have the game in hand. Right. So if they win it, there's their level on points, but they're trailing that goal difference pretty heavily. Uh, so it, it's going to be hard to, to beat Tottenham. I mean, Tottenham are the ones that have it in their hands, it seems. Uh, um, but. Yeah, West Ham falling off, as you say. United are really not in that race anymore. That's becoming uh, a race for Europe, uh, more like between between you know West Ham, United, uh, Wolves, and teams around there. Um, but I, I was just going to quickly say, Justin, that the the North London derby that is that will be scheduled at some point. It's just getting bigger and bigger every single week because yep. at this point, I'd say the only way that Arsenal steal that fourth spot back from Spurs is if they go into the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and win. I think that's the only way that they can do it. It's a great point. It's a great point. And that'll be a really big test for Arteta, right? Because that's going to be, uh, he's had a few big games so far at Arsenal and that will probably be the biggest one besides maybe uh, the final that he won. But Conte has been in this scenario before he's been under these pressures and he'll, you know, rise to the occasion. It'll be Arteta to see what he can do in that game. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Justin. So we've been talking about 538 and yep. their kind of percentage predictions. Um, yep. You know, I've been referencing it a lot, mainly because uh, to give me a little peace of mind in the relegation scrap. But <laughs> we were talking about how Arsenal were, were, I think they were as high as like 70% at one point. What do you think it is right now? What's your guess for who's going to qualify for the Champions League? What do I think 538 percentages are? Yeah, what do you think they, between Spurs and Arsenal? I'll give you uh, here. I'll give you this uh, right now. United are yeah. at two percent. United are at two percent. You're gonna give me West Ham. West Ham are at less than one. Wow. So United have a better chance. Okay, because it's the game in hand. That's why. Okay, I understand. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I mean, probably gonna be sixty forty Tottenham. Sixty five thirty three to Tottenham. Okay. And the and the title race has remained basically the same. It's two-thirds to City, one-third to Liverpool. But the relegation battle has completely flipped, and we will talk about that Let's get to uh, it in right a second. Now. Okay, let's do it right now then, because we had some, man, talk about a swing of emotions for me. We were talking about Everton Burnley being, oh, if Everton lose, they're, they're getting relegated. And it looks like that because we did, in fact, lose. Somehow, we deserve to win the game. Um, and just individual errors at the back, and Coronet scores an 85th-minute winner. I was absolutely fuming. Um you know, Richarlison had a had a great game, I'd say, in general. Obviously scored the two penalties, but other than that, he almost got his hat trick on a bike, but but Nick Pope saved it. But he was just – Burnley's back line could not deal with him. He was pushing forward and dribbling past guys, winning quarters left, wide, left right, and center. But it's self-inflicted, it's self-inflicted wounds for Everton, though. Yet again, it's, it's what we've been doing all year. Uh, there's a bunch of stats about – you know, three of the top four defenders in terms of most mistakes leading to a goal this year, three of the four are, are Everton players. I think it's Keane, Coleman, and Holgate. Um, 
And then we, we've also had like more own goals than anyone else. We coming into this game had had a man sent off in three consecutive games. Um, obviously the Allen one should not have been a red card, uh, but it's still the fact, you know, you're not going to win games in the relegation battle when you have 10 men on the field. So we lost this game. And, and honestly, I thought we were doomed at that point. But then Justin, the weekend changed everything. Um, on, on Saturday morning, we played United at Goodison Park, somehow found a result. Uh, Anthony Gordon, you know, shooting one off Harry Maguire's thigh and into the back of the net. That's that's pretty poetic, if you ask me. Of course, it's Maguire <laughs> who, who's there deflecting it into his own net. Um, and then, you know, on Sunday, the, the big thing was just quickly, I'll, I'll, I'll say this now before we talk a bit more about that. Um, then we needed Burnley to lose and they went to Norwich and lost. Um, Corne missed a sitter, which would have made it one one at the time. But but Pookie was there to seal the game off, make it two nil. Norwich pick up. I mean, I would say a big win for them, but, but they're still pretty much down anyway. Um, so they just did us a huge favor and also did Leeds a big favor. They actually ended up, uh, beating Southampton quite heavily. Um, and so they are pretty, they're looking, they're sitting pretty at the moment or sorry, they beat Watford. Yeah. I was going to say Leeds. Leeds were able to get, uh, the win over Watford, right. Which is also a big, uh, in the relegation battle, Watford probably going down, but, uh, no, they're, they're, one, they're gone. Well, after that, they're gone. But if they had been able yeah. to find that win uh, against Leeds, who are, you know, then then they would have narrowed that gap and made uh, Leeds more in the in the battle and themselves in the battle. But now it's uh, Leeds basically securing their spot with that win and putting Watford down with that win. Right. Uh, and then, as you said, it was Norwich with the with the big win over Burnley. Uh tough for Burnley after, as you said, beating Everton and really feeling like, all right, we, we are back in this. We can do it. Uh, Sean Dyke with the, with the rude uh, Everton can't win mentality. And then Everton go, go and do it. I go to sin against Manchester United, um, which obviously. And they I lose the well. bottom of the league. Lovely. I love the irony. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so get, getting tight, but Everton now have the four point gap. Uh, ahead of Burnley, both 30 games played. So Everton are, are a little bit more safe. Garrett, tell me the odds that 538 has for us. So uh, at the moment, it is Newcastle at 2%. So they're they're pretty much safe. We've known that for a while. Leeds have bumped all the way up to 10% chance of relegation. Jesse Marsh has done a very good job. Uh, you know, I, as long as Burnley go down and not Everton, I won't be mad about that. Um, I still have to stay neutral on that at the moment. So I can't say I'm really happy about it. As long as we don't go down, I'm happy about it. Um, <laughs> uh, Everton are at 32% and Burnley are at 61%. Watford and Norwich are as good as down. So, yeah, well, I will be say that I'm very happy with uh, what Jesse Marsh has done at Leeds. I love the American connection building there, uh, including Brendan Aronson, which Leeds fans are already chanting his name in the streets to Victor Orta there. Uh, their chairman to to get him uh, into Leeds. Obviously, they've bid and been rejected in the past window, but looking to go for him again. So, uh, re- linking those guys up again would would be great because Aronson under Marsh at Salzburg was uh, incredible, and he's been great even since he left as well. Yeah, I'd love to see Aronson in the Premier League as well. I get to watch him every single week. Um, that would that would be great. I would love to see that. And then Garrett. The last talking point of this week came from the Everton game again. We've been talking about it a lot, but this came after the game. 
when Ronaldo, very frustrated, walking through, walking back to the tunnel, back into the locker rooms, he slapped a phone out of an Evertonian fan's hand, uh, and he, the, the Merseyside police are investigating it now. There's, there's a whole row over it. Yeah, I mean, it was actually, it was a child. I think it was a 14-year-old boy who was, uh, to be fair, making a couple hand gestures at Ronaldo after having just been pocketed by Ben Godfrey for 95 minutes. Um, but, you know, what Ronaldo did is obviously inexcusable. Uh, there was a picture that was circulating on Twitter of uh, the boy's hand being literally bruised. Um, and then obviously his phone got got smashed. And then Ronaldo comes out on Twitter saying he's sorry. And, you know, he wants fair game and respect and offered to bring the kid to Old Trafford for a game. And then the kid and his mom made a statement saying, we don't want to go to Old Trafford. Screw <laughs> you, Ronaldo, is basically what they said. So we'll see if Merseyside police end up doing anything about it. Um, but I, I think it's just kind of a funny epitome of United at the moment. Just what a shambles of a club. They're so far from where they used to be so far. And, you know, we'll see if Ten Hag, if he even takes the job, because he might be looking at this and be like, do I really want to get myself into this? Um, even if he comes in, you know, it. I, I, I think at minimum it will take United four or five years if they hire the right manager, if they do the right recruitment to get back competing for titles because City and Liverpool are just so far clear of everybody else. Yeah, will Ronaldo be in the UEFA Conference League next season? Uh, what are the odds of that? And, and Ten Hag, I mean, he's in the Champions League right now with his team, Ajax. Why would he, you know, go and I mean, obviously they've been knocked out, but he was there this season. Why would he go to the UEFA Conference League uh, when he could have Champions League football next season? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, you know, United one of the biggest clubs in the world, you know, top three, probably next to Madrid and, and Barca. Um, but that's a lot of pressure as well. Where Ten Hag, you know, there, there haven't been like a ton of expectations at Ajax. Obviously they want to win Eredivisie and they do that pretty much every single year, but you know, that, that Cinderella run that Ten Hag had had with Ajax to the, the semifinals of the champions league, when they got knocked out by the dramatic last minute, Lucas Mora hat trick, um, you know, the expectations were not high for that team. They haven't been at all. He kind of has the pressure off and just gets to kind of wow people. And so I get why United, you know, want to make that that hiring. But, you know, if they don't have the right people behind the scenes, like I think Darren Fletcher is their technical director, which I'm not sure about that one. Seems like jobs for the boys to me. Um, you know, they've been splashing tons of money and it hasn't been worth it. Uh, so, you know, they, they need to turn things around a lot if they want to get anywhere near where, where they used to be, you know, under Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah, I think Ten Hag would be uh, a good pickup for them, but it's the question of does he really want to go there in, in this situation that Manchester United are in right now? As you say, obviously one of the biggest clubs in the world, but uh, in, a, in a very bad situation right now. We've seen, similarly, people have no hesitation going to Barcelona, uh, obviously another massive club who are in a, in a poor time in their history but they've gotten no problem getting uh, obviously Xavi to come in and then tons of different players from, from all over. So maybe Manchester United will, will be I, Yeah, they're still a much more attractive proposition than United, in, in my opinion, if, if I'm a player, 100%. Hmm. And then quickly just wanted to note one other thing. Southampton getting embarrassed for the third straight season. Wasn't quite nine goals this time, but they did ship six at home to Chelsea. Uh, I just thought that was a notable result and worth mentioning. But with that, Justin, we can move to the MLS. El Trafico, you were at the game, did not pan out the way you wanted it to. Talk us through what happened. 
Oh man. Yeah. Well, there was a chance early first minute we LAFC could have scored, uh, weren't able to finish it off. And then Chicharito header back post, just a, a very simple cross. He's, he's alone at the back post. Neither of our center backs are there. And he, he just puts it past Crepeau, who's really in an awkward position. Um, he came out, probably thought he could claim it and then was just in a weird position, tried this kind of starfish block. Um, Vela then had a chance 1v1 with Jonathan Bond. He put it off the post. Uh, it just wasn't his day. Koulibaly then for Galaxy to put them up 2-0 uh, within the first you know half hour, basically. And it, it, was, it was tough from there because Galaxy would then sit back deeper, foul a lot. They got seven yellow cards in the game, which is uh, a, a high number. Chris Penso, there was talk about him constantly the referee he ruled out the last goal uh chicho rongo was able to get you know draw one back um with vela you know got a shot off basically turned a defender from a throw-in got a shot the rebound chicho rongo just put it in and the game was back on for the last 10 minutes uh lafc pounded the goal and weren't able to put, get the goal because it was ruled out blessing uh, finished it off after just a melee in the box, essentially, and Mamadou Fall was ruled out, uh, ruled to be offside in the buildup. They said Blessing would have also been offside had they not ruled Fall offside. So either way, it's not counting. Um, but er, that's that. That was the third goal of the game that was ruled offside for LAFC. So it was just tough all around. LAFC won the XG battle two one, lost the game two one. Yeah, I mean Carson only had two shots on target. They both went in. I mean, that's just got to be frustrating for you. And, and you know, I saw the offside, and obviously it's close. Um, but, you know, things just didn't really go your way. Um, you know, offside goals, players just starting their run literally half a second too early, this and that, you know, off the post. So, I mean, it, it was a bit of a shite house from Carson, if we're being honest. But, you know, for some reason, they found a way to do this to you guys, you know, many times now. What I think the, the series all time is now six wins to them, three to you. Um, so, I mean, they are, they are your bogey team, which isn't great considering that it's the Derby. So, right. Yeah. Unable to win in in Carson, uh, as you say, six, three with five draws, uh, historically it didn't help. Obviously Brian Rodriguez going down very early on, uh, having to bring in Ishmael to Shradi, which we have to question why Chicho Rongo is not coming on. First of all, I think he should be starting the game over Cuadro Apoku in a, a derby match. He's a more experienced player. He's been in these type of games in Colombia. Meanwhile, uh, Apoku is a young player. He's been in good form, but I, I would start Chicho Rongo in this game. And then even when Rodriguez comes, uh, gets hurt, you don't bring him on. You bring on Ismail Tajuri Shradi, who, in my opinion, missed the biggest chance of the game in the second half. It's By XG, it was the biggest chance. It was a 0.42 chance compared to Vela's. Uh, 0.12 on his 1v1 so it was uh, it's just frustrating it really is it it should have at least been a draw um but there was poor refereeing unable to finish chances uh and and terrible defending the center backs had a bad day both goals were were probably their fault so it's just tough all around for lafc and need to find a way to, to win the reverse fixture at home yeah, I mean, we talked about the winner of this game potentially being favorites to, to win the West. Do you still view it that way? Do you, do you think Carson could win the West, or do you think that this was 
you know, undeserving enough of results on, on their end that, you know, uh, they'll end up slipping up eventually. Well, I don't know about favorite to win the West, but I do think it shows what I said last week was I think people weren't paying enough attention to how good these LA teams are. They're now the top two teams in the West. Uh, LAFC still is sitting at the top of the table on 13 points. Uh, Carson right behind on 12. So it's, it's, it's anybody's game, really. I mean, I think that both of these teams will be competing for it. Uh, I don't, I personally, I'm pro, I'm biased to say LFC is still a favorite. I think that LFC outplayed galaxy. I think, you know, the reverse fixture, they're the favorite to win. So head to head. And then all the other games, uh, you know, LAFC have, have proven to, to be able to find wins so far, but a lot of those have been come from behind wins. Uh, the first 20 minutes haven't been great as they were very, very poor in this game. So there's question marks all around. We're still only six games in for most teams. A couple have played seven, uh, but yeah, I just think that the the two Southern California teams are, are really here to play this season. And I think that I said it last week and I, I think that's shown as well. Um, and I think, you know, speaking of our, our, our takes from last week, um, RSL not being able to find a win against a very average Toronto team at home. So, as I said, you know, they, they're only at the high. That's so high on the table, in my opinion, because they have an extra game. So I think that, you know, they're not as good as people are hyping them. And then New England, who. You said we should we shouldn't be worried about, uh, and I said I think that people are reacting fairly to them because they are in trouble. They go and lose to arguably the worst team in the league and give them their first win of the season in Inter Miami. Uh, so New England are, I mean, disgraceful for them. They've lost now to the new club Charlotte, and they've lost to Inter Miami, two really bad losses. They have Charlotte again next, so we'll see what happens there. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about New England and I said, oh, could you imagine if they went and lost in Miami? And we were both like, ah, not going to happen. Well, it did. Yep. So, yeah, that take is aging uh, poorly at the moment. Uh, just quickly on the Western Conference, you know, yep. Seattle also, you know, they were only on five games played. They have been focusing on the CCL. They got a quite they got I think it was a three one victory over NYCFC in their first leg of of uh, I think it's a, the semifinals for CCL. I could Correct. be wrong there. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, so they're definitely still focusing on that. They have, you know, they've only played five games, so they'll end up, I, I think, even though maybe new England won't be, I think Seattle will definitely be making their way up in the table as the season goes on. As you say, yeah. season's still young um, and, and in MLS things can change so quickly. So who knows what's going to happen, but you know, it's good entertainment. Yeah, Seattle didn't play uh, this weekend, right? Because of that, they're they just have the two uh, CCL games, uh, which is good to give give them the rest. We'll have probably them representing the MLS uh, in the CCL final against uh, a Liga MX team. So that'll be very exciting, and we'll, we'll I, definitely cover that when it happens. Will you be rooting for them to win just because they're MLS? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm fine either way because I. I want an MLS team to finally win it. Right. And show that we're, I think we're an equally competitive league. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I get that most people would probably disagree, but I think that winning the CCL would finally that discussion would be on the table. And then, so, so I'm, I would be very happy for Seattle. I will be rooting for them. However, if they lose, that's all right too, because oh, LAFC could be the first one to do it. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It, it could be, you know, there's pros and cons to it, but, um, I'll, I'll definitely be rooting for Seattle because I sure as hell know the Quakes aren't going to be the first to win it. 
No, I think I think any MLS fan uh, should be rooting for Seattle, even if you're somebody like me who thinks maybe your team can be the first to, to win it. I, as you know, we're sitting in first place. We very well could get a CCL spot next season and then win it. Potentially, we, we had a very good run uh, last time we were in it. I believe we should have run it. I believe we were robbed, but that's a whole another discussion. Um, so even if you're somebody like me who, who believes that, I think everybody uh, as an MLS fan should be rooting for Seattle in the CCL or, or, you know, New York City if they were to come back and advance. Yeah, I, I mean, I just want to make one other note. You talk about, oh, the L.A. teams are here to play. Justin, what are your thoughts on the Texas teams being here to play? Because a couple more wins for them. Austin beat Minnesota yesterday on Saturday. Dallas beat Colorado. Uh, the Dynamo beat the Quakes, although they did concede three goals against the Quakes, which uh, isn't ideal for them. But they, all three of those teams which none of them qualified for the playoffs last year. They're all sitting in playoff spots right now. Do you think any of them will end up in the playoffs or how many of them? Yeah, well, some of them probably, but as far as Austin FC, the question is Cecilio Dominguez, right? Because he's been suspended by the MLS now. Uh, and so we don't know if he's going to ever play again for Austin FC. Uh, and he's obviously a big, big player. Um so th there's a big question mark there as far as Austin FC. He'll be a big uh, decider on how their the rest of their season goes. Obviously, they have other players in Drewsy and, and Co., but uh, he, he is a big player for them. Uh, as far as, you know, Houston Dynamo, they we've been talking about them. They've been finding the ways to win um, and, and pick up points, but it, they haven't been against necessarily quality opponents. So... I'm not super convinced by them yet, although, you know, they have a lot of MLS experience, which is something that maybe finds your way into the playoffs, maybe in that sixth or seventh spot, right? And then FC Dallas as well. I think that Areola and Ferreira has been a deadly combination so far. So if they can keep that up throughout the season, they'll, they'll make the playoffs. Um, but if, if one of them were to get hurt or something uh, or, or the combo doesn't continue uh, throughout the season, then, then we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, FC Dallas always producing young talent. So, and then bringing Ariola, the veteran, in uh, to be the leader of that, it, it makes sense. So, I think that one or two of those teams, most likely one, maybe two of those teams make the playoffs, but definitely not all three. I mean, Ferreira and Ariola link up is like Greg Berhalter's dream. He absolutely loves to see that. Huh? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, he he seems to. Uh, like it recently because he did play them together uh, a little bit over the World Cup qualifying window when Ferrer was in. He, he tried to add Ariel a little bit as well. So they both they I, both I think, started in that game against Panama, didn't they? Right. So I that's yeah. So I think that that he uh, is is seeing that link up, uh, and they're going to obviously have a lot of time together throughout the season, which will just build their chemistry. And then finishing up on Sunday, uh, we said Austin. You know we're we're playing well got the win even without Dominguez but it was Charlotte uh getting another big win for them and scoring the goal of the week in Olympico uh from Jordi Alcivar yeah great goal I mean it's something that's very difficult to execute and if you get it wrong all your big center backs which just made the trek up into the box look at you like what the hell man what just cross the ball in but you know when it comes off it comes off now my question to you is you remember when I scored that? We scored one of those when we were playing together. Oh, get out of it! He didn't mean it. He didn't mean it. I'm telling you right now, he didn't mean it. Believe what you want. I scored it. It also helps that the goalie was probably I don't know five two because we were what like twelve. 
Hey, it went top bins, <laughs> back post corner. Okay. Say what you want. Okay, dude. Sure. Hey, whatever helps you sleep at night. <laughs> With that, Justin, I think that is all uh, we have time for this week. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at U90Football. That's U90Football. We will be back uh, next week. We will know the Champions League semifinals, which will be uh, very uh, interesting to see. The second legs, a couple of them should be very entertaining, uh, especially looking forward to, obviously, Atleti City. It seems like that second leg will, will likely be the closest of uh, the four. Um, But yeah, until then, have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next time.